Cobot Show, the podcast that breaks down the barriers of industrial automation. My name is Danielle Marlette from Universal Robots, and talking with me today is Joe Campbell, a longtime veteran of the robot industry and head of marketing for Universal Robots North America. We also have with us a guest speaker. Tim DeGrasse is a senior channel development manager at Universal Robots. Today, they are going to talk about leveraging AI to maximize Cobot efficiency. Take it away. Hey, Tim, glad to have you on the show. Looking forward to a good conversation. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. This is cool. It's fun. Um, yeah, yeah, thank you. Well, this is a very interesting topic, and you are, I think, at the epicenter of, uh, of artificial intelligence and, and automation. Um, if I remember right, you actually live in Santa Cruz, which is right over the hill from Silicon Valley. Is that right? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Santa Cruz, and then uh, I moved into Silicon Valley for you know five or six years, uh, maybe even a little bit longer, um, just to you know be be closer to the scene and to the action. And then when it got time for my wife and I to buy a home, we ended up uh, buying a home about two years ago in Santa Cruz. So we're we're about a 30, 45 minute drive from uh, Silicon Valley. Well, it's one of my favorite parts of the world. My wife and I lived just over the hill in Los Gatos for 10 years. So yeah. I really, uh, really appreciate that. Yeah, well, that's a great area. It is. So Silicon Valley has really been the epicenter for emerging technologies, uh, and particularly in compute power and anything with artificial intelligence. So how long have you seen this topic emerging uh, in that part of the country? Yeah, I mean... Ever since I was, you know, little, it's always been the center of innovation. Like, like you mentioned, um, there's just uh, a, a different mindset here, a really high-paced tempo of of business. You really uh, see it and feel it in every conversation and meeting you have about tech. Uh, AI, in particular, has uh, it kind of, in my opinion, sprouted up after the big data buzz. There was all this talk about big data, big data. How do we harvest all this data from the world, right? So, you know, Google, for example, with their toolbar and their search bar have, have more information about us than, than, any, than you could ever imagine. So now you have this data, what do you do with it? And that's really where AI, I think, started. And um, now it's starting to come over into, you know, hardware and machines, which is really cool because, um, you know, we've, we're, we're robot people, right? So now we get to actually use and, and leverage that that uh, that technology, those algorithms in our industry. Yeah, I mean, I think from my perspective uh, as a, a long timer in the industry, there's been talk for a long time, but there has really mm -hmm. not been a whole lot of direct traction where you could say, here's a manufacturing process that we're able to, to impact with, uh, whether it's big data or artificial intelligence. Um, it's been a promise for a long time, but I understand that you've got actually some direct customers who are starting to reap uh, a little bit of benefit from it. Um, could you talk briefly about Vicarious? I think they're a really interesting story. Yeah, so Vicarious is the company that I met uh, three or four years ago. And, you know, there, there's a lot of NDAs and, and uh, proprietary stuff that, that we've signed, so I, I can't go too deep into it. But what I can share is, is what you can kind of find on their website and, um, you know, what their commercial team uh, promotes and advertises. And um, I, I started off just by meeting a, a small uh, engineering team, basically exploring different uh, robots in the market. 
because they had this vision and an idea of, of bringing AI into uh, manufacturing. And so, um, you know, the first thing was to start with, with test hardware. What's the right hardware to use? And, you know, we were really fortunate in the fact they selected universal robots for a variety of reasons. And uh, so I've gotten to see them grow along the way. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're doing a lot of cool cutting-edge stuff in, in warehouses. And um, it's funny to think, right, you drive by this big brown building that you'd never noticed it on your daily commute, but inside is, is just amazing cutting-edge technology. So really cool, really cool startup here. In, uh, well, Silicon I think it's a, great, it's, a, it's a great place, um, you know, for that kind of investment too because it is – as we all know, it's one of the most complex problems um, in manufacturing and distribution. Mm -hmm. What what makes you are a good fit for this class of application? Is there something particular in our control architecture or software that makes us a good fit? Yeah, so I think the whole um, idea of universal robots being friendly and easy to use is is kind of the high level. And then when you dive into the architecture, like you mentioned, it's it's built on a language very similar to Python. I, I call it a Python-esque programming language. Um, when you talk to you know people coming out of school right now, and and you know the the hackers, right, the people that know software inside and out, Python is is quickly becoming the most powerful tool. Uh, to, to program with. And so when our language is so similar to what, you know, cutting edge, uh, you know, young people are, are coming out with, uh, you know, prepared to, to program with, it, it's a really natural fit to jump into, uh, you know, our, our robot. There, there are countless people that I talk to in the market that go, can I program this in Python? And I, and I say, yes. And that's the whole conversation half the time. You know, that's what they want. It's, it's what they want to hear. It's comfortable, you know. It's yeah. easy for them, so yep. it looks like Greek to us, but for them, it's a second language. Yeah, I mean, I'm again coming from the traditional side of life. It's uh, uh, it's it's uh, we we tend to, in, especially in the early languages, we tended to look a whole lot more like a little bit like machine code, um, mm -hmm. a little bit like ladder logic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could. If you were really had one of the more sophisticated packages, you started to look a little bit like C, uh, but nothing close to what we're seeing today. Yeah, when I was in college, I, I went. I studied robotics in school. I was really fortunate uh, to to have that program at my university. And um, yeah, we learned C. I programmed robots in C. You know, you program the microcontroller in C, and I, we always thought that was really cool and innovative. And 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 then, you know, they had Java. Java was like sort of the step up above that. Mm -hmm. Now there's Python is huge and who knows what will be here 10 years from now. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of innovation is happening just in software. And that's that's part of what's driving AI is, is more efficiencies and more compatibility with different things. So I think another success story from our uh, side of the world has been right-hand robotics. Can you kind of fit what they're doing in this overall AI umbrella? Yeah, they, they've got a lot of similarities, but then also a lot of differences from Vicarious. Um, what's really cool about um, the, the right-hand robotics team is they, they come from uh, also the material handling world. So if you look at their gripper, it's this crazy, mm -hmm. it, it almost looks like a chameleon alien sort of, 
And so they're blending AI with, with their uh, immense material handling background, which is cool too. Um, you know, Vicarious is, is also great at material handling, different AI. I'd say in a way they're, they're uh, solving problems from two different angles and the market's so big. So you can, you can see them doing similar things, but also see them doing different things. It's, it's hard to really differentiate the differences exactly. And, but they're both centered around bin picking for distribution centers and, and, and fulfillment sites. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Bin picking, kidding, sorting. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you'll talk to these guys and they talk about put walls, things like that. There's so many different ways that it, it, what's funny is so much of this is intuitive to a person, right? You say, grab this bar of shampoo and put it over here or bar of soap, put it over here. Uh, for a robot, that's really hard, right? What is, how do I identify that with a camera? How do I know exactly how to pick this thing up? How do I, um, you know, grasp it and move it over here? And, you know, and the environment's changing and the lighting's changing. And what if I miss grasp it and I drop it? How do I do that? And so there's so many decisions that get made. And again, for a person, it's easy. Um, since joining the robot industry, I've become more and more impressed with, with the human being, honestly. Um, it's so hard to do things with robots that are so easy for people. But, but now the robots are starting to do some of that stuff too. And it's, uh, it's fun to watch. Well, it's, uh, in fact, I just had this conversation earlier today about, about incremental automation mm. where we're, uh, you know, we're very successful with this approach to automate the dull, dirty, and dangerous. And let's leave the difficult task to your skilled human operators, um, so maybe the maybe the cutoff point's a little bit different in these AI-based applications, but still, at the end of the day, it's a common theme. Yeah, you're exactly right, and I think if you talk to Esben uh, Ostegard, the founder of our company, mm -hmm. that's exactly where where he you know really is interested in, in talking about is how do we uh, let people add more value, right? Customized, cool solutions. Uh, let the robot do the the repetitive stuff. And, and let the person do the cool, amazing things. And that's going to make uh, the manufacturer enjoy their job more. It's going to make the product more unique and, and innovative and, and higher quality. So um, that's, that's one of the big reasons I'm here. I, I think that this is all a mission to make manufacturing better for, for everybody, including the worker, right? It's, it's, it's a bit scary because it's new and unknown. But most of the time I see automation brings uh, value to everyone. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I think um, it really opened my eyes when I came over from the traditional side of the house to see how what the level of acceptance was, particularly in the small companies. Um, it was just shocking how easily uh, they accepted the, te the robot technology, where on the traditional side, not so much. Yeah, there's. I think there's some special sauce in being able to actually touch the robot and uh, program it yourself. It's, it's uh, you know... A robot's intimidating, right? Mm -hmm. Especially you watch the movies and you hear horror stories about these things happening and, and, and then everyone's get, imagination get, gets going. And then you actually put a hand on the robot and move it. I mean, even I've, I've got a robot in my garage. My friends come over and say, oh, can I program that thing? Like, yeah, sure. And But before you know it, they're, they're picking and placing a, a, you know, a soda can. And they're like, oh, that was easy. And it's like, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's supposed to be, uh, now at least. So um, I think that that's one of the biggest values that, that this AI um, 
you know, technology is adding is, is more power and flexibility on top of the ease of use. And I only see that trend continuing. I would agree. Now, one thing I just noticed is that um, uh, NVIDIA released a, a control platform as part of our UR Plus program. Uh, and for the listeners who don't know about UR Plus, it's a program where we actually publish, specify interfaces to our robot, uh, mechanical, electrical, software, and documentation. The companies develop products, usually peripherals and accessories, and submitted to us for testing and validation. It's kind of like the app store for UR robots. Mm -hmm. But I was surprised to see the new NVIDIA offering. Could you, could you give us some background on that? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of excitement about the NVIDIA offering, at least in, in the circles that I'm running in right now. Um, one of the things I noticed with these AI solution providers um, is there's oftentimes a large computer attached to the robot to do all the processing, which makes a lot of sense. Our, our processor is designed for you know XYZ, and they're doing ABC. So um, I'd ask these people, what kind of computer are you using? And a lot of the time, there was an NVIDIA chip on the inside. So I was fortunate enough to, to meet the uh, uh, meet Claire Delaunay, the, the VP of engineering at NVIDIA, and I asked her, hey, would you want to uh, talk about partnership? And uh, she was really interested, in, and um, we were able to, to merge and mesh our engineering teams and come out with a solution, and uh, hopefully it, it just allows AI solution providers to simplify their, their offering. That's, that's the ultimate goal is to... Um, you know, make our product easier to use for them, right? Easy to use mm -hmm. for the end user, but easier to use for our partners too. So basically, that's a that's an AI platform to to support development of applications around our robot. Yeah, it's like a turbocharger for your your car, right? So now you can go, you know, take off the restrictor plate of of our <laughs> you know computing power and throw the Nvidia. Uh, chip right in there and and just do a, a ton more computation um, which is is I think pretty cool we've already got a few people that are they're looking at, at bringing it to their AI solution and and uh, it's fun to uh, have kind of been a part of that idea um, obviously there's so many people involved that, that brought it to market so it's it's cool mm -hmm. to, to um, it's cool to be in Silicon Valley where that stuff can happen so quickly absolutely well, so here's another topic that's uh, Silicon Valley-esque, at least. Um, I've been getting a lot of questions about um, the increase in remote control operations with the mm. advent of the 5G network. The thinking is, with that kind of bandwidth, we can actually do very, very close to real-time control remotely. Have you seen any of that activity? Yeah, someone actually just showed me a really cool video from uh, Intel yesterday. Um, I can share the link and we can try to make that available, but they're doing basically real-time uh, control of that. Uh, we've also seen uh, some of the, the large companies around here doing that. We've seen a lot of people doing that, and I think the idea is uh, really cool, uh, really interesting, um, I mean, there's even like you look at the Da Vinci from uh, Intuitive Surgical, where you can do remote surgery. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it it's it's new, it's innovative, it's coming, but it's also been here too. So it's um, that's yeah, it's it's fascinating, especially with COVID. 
happening where, where travel is difficult. Um, being able to remote in, right? Like we're remoting, right? It, it kind of feels like we're in the same room. So if you can do that same thing with a robot, I mean, that's just the, the possibility is limitless. That's pretty significant. So what other applications are you starting to see in this AI space? I mean, warehousing, I get, distribution centers, I get. Uh, I think the remote operation is still evolving. What, what, what else are you seeing? Yeah, so um, any, any sort of traditional robot tasks that you can think of, but with high variety. So the AI is really good at variety, I think. Um, traditional machine vision cameras, right, you need to have kind of perfect lighting or, or a, a predictable, um, you know, subset of, of parts that you're going to grab. But if you've got a lot of variety, um, the, the robot can help, right? It can help identify and, and make decisions uh, on the fly. But yeah, I guess I would also ask you, Joe, as someone who's been in the industry uh, for a long time, and, and now you're seeing this new sort of AI hybrid uh, stuff pop up, where, where do you see it going? Well, I think you're right. I think it's going to show up in a lot of the process industries. Um, and if you think about uh, anything from welding to dispensing to material removal or polishing or finishing, uh, there's a lot of judgment calls involved in that. And it takes a lot of work to break that process down to something that's repeatable. I think that's a great, a great area that will benefit from it. Um, the other thing that I thought of is I, I really have to say we may be able to tuck our Actinav, um, you know, adaptive bin feeding, bin picking, and machine feeding solution under the AI umbrella mm -hmm. uh, because totally. we are we're generating we're generating uh, path planning on the fly. Oh, totally. Yeah, e Energid is um, you know they're, they're known out here in Silicon Valley. You talk to people, people know Energid. I've gotten a lot of thumbs up when they heard that that we acquired them, which was cool. Um, I think Actinav is one of their first products that they've built for us mm -hmm. uh, for bin picking, which is cool. I'm excited to see what other um, you know projects and, and applications we uh, go for. But personally, I'm I'm very stoked to be you know even closer to AI. So, um, yeah, it's 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 fun to watch it go from kind of tangible theoretical stuff into real world projects. Yeah, yeah. I also think that we're going to see continuing improvements in ease of use and ease of programming and ease of setup. Mm -hmm. um, I look at some of the stuff that's coming out from our welding partners like. Uh, like um, and like Vectus and and mm -hmm. um, and Ready and others and making great strides and I just think what kind of benefit they can achieve when they actually have a sm even a small amount of artificial intelligence baked in to their programming process. Yeah, yeah. There are so many things that we as people think would be common sense. Like I remember talking to a UR customer one time and the UR robot like ran into itself and we had to go to the factory and say, hey, how do we help this from happening again? And, and, you know, it was a bug fix, and we fixed it. But, like, think about that. You as a person, you never run your own arm into yourself. <laughs> but a robot doesn't, like, get that unless you tell it that. And so, yeah, having an AI brain in there to, to just, it's almost like common sense. Um, if it can just figure out some common sense things. I mean, we all experience it, even if we're not robot programmers. Think about the last time you were working in Microsoft Excel, and you wanted the the... the spreadsheet to do something 
And you're just like, oh my God, like make this number go over here. And you just can't do it, even though it's so simple. Then you're and looking through the you're looking through the insert function menus and oh, struggling yeah. to get there. Yeah. So any intelligence that we can add to technology is just gonna make it smoother, right? I mean, eventually you might get to a point where you say, Hey robot, go build that car. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it's gonna be that easy. I, I like to think of Jarvis sometimes from uh, uh, Iron Man. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's such a wealth of knowledge, right? Hey, hey, Jarvis, what do I do? Do I, you know, turn the screw once or twice? And, and Jarvis knows. So um, it's it's really uh, augmentation of intelligence, right? So it's leveraging human intelligence is how I see it. Totally agree. You know, and I think with that we should uh, we should wrap up today's session. Uh, Danielle, could you close us out and tell people where they can get more information? Yes, I can. Um, we have a slew of automation information coming your way. So if you aren't already following The Cobot Show, follow us here on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And this episode and many others are available on our website at universal-robots.com slash podcast. If you have a specific question about what we discussed today, looking for next steps in automation, or if you have a suggestion for a future podcast, send us an email at ur.na at universal-robots.com. And if you're looking for any of the links of anything that was discussed in today's podcast, check out the description. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Tim and Joe.